Hello and welcome to an Inform Live Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming live to CHDTV. We do need a revolution in Bygum. We have got the most awesome health and medical revolution it is. You know, don't fret if you're not seeing it out there in mainstream quite yet, but it is beginning to bubble to the surface. People are learning. They're taking charge of their health, taking charge of their lives, taking charge of their freedom. And, you know, we're going to get through this better, stronger than ever. I've got with me today, uh, Dr. Javiera is a Dr. Javier, hello, I'll get your name right. Dr. Figueroa, Javier Figueroa. There we go. Otherwise known as Dr. X. Hi. So uh, I'm joining you actually in Kansas. I'm here visiting my sister and her family. Um, So it's kind of nice to be on the East Coast of the the U.S. where I can go to another state or many states within a day's drive. Unlike um, out West, where it used to take a day just to get out of Washington. It seems like Montana never ends. You just drive and drive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so Javier, um, uh, sorry, just went blank for just a second. I met guest, Randy Lee, um, recently out in Tennessee. He had been um, attending the Weston Price Foundation fantastic. These are a group of people all about uh, nourishing traditions, traditional healing, traditional way of eating. You know, we've lost so much when we lost some of that good food and good soil. And we struck up some great conversations. And that's where I learned about two books that he's the author of. Let's see, Mitochondriac Manifesto. I love that. Mitochondriac Manifesto and uh, Gut Brain Secrets. So, you know, let's go ahead and bring on Randy Lee and I'm going to I'm going to have him tell us a little bit about himself. Hey, Randy. Hi, Bernadette. How you doing? I'm very good. Um, so you've met uh, Javier. You met him backstage. And tell us, please, a little bit about yourself and your journey that led you to authoring those two books and leading led you to be here on the radio show today. Well, I um, have a lot of friends with ADD. And uh, so I grew up uh, kind of around it and learning about it. And one of my friends was really proactive in seeking solutions. And he studied um, Dr. Daniel Amen and spec scans and medications and all kinds of different things. And um, so that led me to study uh, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, who's a big supporter of uh, Weston A. Price. And I learned a lot about detoxification and all the different uh, things that go into uh, creating gut problems and brain problems. And so uh, recently I've gone back and revised it heavily, uh, Gut Brain Secrets, um, and discovered that it was mostly about food quality. About three quarters of it was about nutrients and toxins. Mm. So the inputs that go into creating food quality and the outcomes that result from it. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is like the perfect conversation at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the mitochondriac manifesto is kind of like the future of medicine. It's about energy. It's about light, water, magnetism, 
mitochondria and circadian rhythms. So, um, wow. Yeah, Could you ahead. explain to our lay audience the word mitochondria in case they're not familiar with that? They are the little power plants of the cell. They convert uh, food energies and different energies that we take into the body into forms of energy that the body can use. Uh, so that's mostly ATP, but it's also uh, converting forms of light to other forms of light. Uh, infrared, for example, when the body needs more heat, it can convert fat stores or food into heat to heat the body. Mm. It's amazing. It's so really, yeah. Oh, go ahead. They're inside each cell. So there's anywhere from, oh, about five mitochondria inside each cell to I think thousands. And mm. uh, so they, they are a nexus point of human health. So wow. uh, your mitochondria, as your mitochondria go, so goes your health and, uh, or illness. Okay, very good. And so you have a presentation for us that you are going to give us some slides and walk us through it. And don't worry if you're listening on the radio or on podcast, um, he's going to be explaining everything so we'll be able to visualize what it is he's talking about. So I'm just going to let you uh, go ahead through your presentation so we can get through all of it. And I'll, I'll try to hold my tongue, which is hard for me, but I'll take when I have questions <laughs> to ask you when we get done so that... Um, so yeah, take it away. Yeah. Um, there should be plenty to talk about, uh, after we get done with the slides, but, uh, so food quality inputs and outcomes. So there's a monumental shift happening, uh, in the world that will revolutionize the food supply and healthcare and farming and the environment and so much more. And uh, my part in this was very innocent. I was kind of exploring what I wanted to tell people about Gut Brain Secrets. That's uh, my new release. And Gut Brain Secrets ex explains how gut disorders cause brain dysfunctions like ADD and autism. And I realized that low nutrient content and high toxins create most problems in our body and in society. So in other words, most problems in our world revolve around food quality in some way. Mm -hmm. And three quarters of Gut Brain Secrets is about food quality. So why this and why now? So would everyone agree that existential crises surround us everywhere from autism to food quality to the banking, you know, existential crises are everywhere. And yes. So in my research, uh, I, I ran across someone who's working on the solutions that will change the world. And what I determined was that solutions to the problem of food quality are imminent and soon they'll be unstoppable. So this movement affects everyone and everyone can and will participate in some way. But the ones that jump in early will get the benefits probably two or three years before the others. So the proactive people will have to go seek it. So my goal today and um, in the interviews I'm doing is to get the conversation started before this actually hits the mainstream. So definitions, what is food quality? Food quality is nutrients and toxins and nutrient density is nutrients per calorie or per volume. And obviously that has a lot of effects, but I think you need to really dig into 
gut brain secrets to realize how many different things are affected by food quality. You, you have your mental and physical health, your immunity and your autoimmunity like food allergies and um, some forms of arthritis, epigenetics, that's how your environment controls your genes, uh, detoxification and anti-aging, and the other half of food quality is toxin exposure like uh, herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides. So I'm going to rattle off a couple topics that are covered in Gut Brain Secrets really quick. There's no need to uh, belabor any of these points, but Gut Brain Secrets is basically, basically about gut health and the microbiome, psychological disorders, which uh, the community calls GAPS conditions. That's gut and psychology syndrome conditions, such as ADD, autism, anxiety, depression, food allergies, autoimmunity, and risk factors that dysregulate the immune system, such as vaccines. And it's about how nutrition affects the human body. It's about inflammation and detoxification. And this is a little bit different in that uh, it covers farming practices that create the nutrient density in the first place. And it talks about big ag and big pharma, how they influence uh, food with things like GMOs. And so most of the book is related to food quality in some way. And it's about, um, it's for the people that are taking charge of their own health. And uh, here's the four domains of life. You can't see, I'm going to read them off. Health, wealth, relationships, and spirituality and consciousness. And the things I just mentioned, they all fit into healthcare but they obviously affect your wealth and your relationships and your uh, consciousness too. So they literally affect virtually everything in your life. Okay, so here's the big idea is that the entire food supply is about to change forever. Okay, according to the US FDA, the nutritional content of the crops has declined for 80 years and everyone knows their soil is depleted. So nutrient density started out 100 years ago as like a bell curve where you cut off the top third and all food was in the 65th to 85th percentile. So all food was nutritious. But what we've done with factory farming is we've, we've cut off the bottom third. So virtually all food is in 15 to 40th percentile. So everything is depleted, even whole foods. And I think that basically has um, the food quality has reached unsustainable levels. And uh, human fertility has dropped by about 50% um, in the last 20 years. And I think with the latest uh, COVID situation, uh, with stillbirths exploding and human fertility uh, rising dramatically, I think we've actually gone off the cliff. Um, I think we're at unsustainable levels right now. It just hasn't shown up in the statistics. And as you may have heard, cancer rates are, you know, half of males will get cancer. Autism rates are one in 27 boys, Alzheimer's. So clearly human health has gone over the guardrail and is now in free fall. And the environmental impact is almost as bad. So, how do you fix it? Well, we're going back to the past. We're going back to our ancestral ways. And that means ancestral soil quality, 
ancient farming practices, primal health, and environmental impact. So most people don't realize this, but plants can have two, five, 10, in some cases, 200 times the nutrient density of these higher order compounds. And these complex compounds, they correlate with taste. That's what our biology is synchronized to. And it's, it's programmed to seek out the taste that is the antioxidants and polyphenols and terpenoids and alkaloids and phenolics. But factory farming has very little of this, and that's why a lot of vegetables taste kind of gross and bitter. And that's a big reason why uh, it's hard to get kids to eat vegetables. So, you know, word to the moms out there and dads who have to feed their kids. <laughs> you get uh, better tasting vegetables and your, your kids will love it and eat it up. And just to point out, when you go to a farmer's market, my, my kids and the neighbor's kids, they gobble up the uh, farmer's market produce like nothing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a huge difference. If you've ever had uh, vegetables and fruits grown in a home garden, picked fresh off the vine, oh my God, there's explosion of flavor. It's such a huge difference. So one of the big problems right now is how farmers get paid. You know, they get paid on volume and appearance. And that's kind of a totally backwards because what if we paid farmers for quality instead of quantity? And if we increased food quality, how would that affect healthcare and food cost? So we need to be having a completely different conversation centered around nutrients instead of volume. Another problem, lack of choice. This kind of goes along with what I've been saying. Um, before you had very limited options to get healthy, you know, what you could do is you can choose whole foods instead of processed packaged foods. You could seek out local, organic, non-GMO. You could do gluten-free. You can do vegan, keto, paleo. But the problem is you had to trust the people and the processes behind those labels. You had to rely on trust and, and faith instead of actually knowing, which we'll get into in a minute. And these are basically very weak by comparison compared to what's coming. And another problem is whatever you choose to put your energy in is reinforced and supported. So we've been putting our energy into a food supply that is serving us partially well, but kind of, but not really. Um, so without choice, you have to support these systems. Like how many people would want to withdraw their support from a, uh, Amazon or Google or PayPal or Gillette, but we don't have a choice. And that's pretty much, you know, the choice we had available, buy food in a store, farmer's market, or grow your own food. You know, that's not a whole lot of options, but there's more coming. So here's a big, bold, audacious promise for you. <laughs> in the next two to three years, beginning about 2023, food quality is going to stop going down and it's going to start going back up uh, first in the U S and then worldwide. And around year three to five nutrient density is going to explode upwards on its way to a crop's natural ceiling. And that, that would be the ancestral way that, you know, hundred years ago or more, uh, everything was organic. We grew enough food for everyone. And, um, so all food was nutritious and you didn't, all the choices you had were good choices. Um, so after that period in about year five through 10, 
the growers will challenge a crop's full genetic potential in both nutrient density, yield, and disease and pest resistance because those higher order compounds we talked about earlier, they make plants indigestible to uh, pests like insects and they give them greater disease resistance as well. And uh, a striking example is how much does a pumpkin weigh? You know, 10 to 30 pounds, a normal pumpkin. Whereas the world record breaking pumpkins are on the order of 2,600 pounds, like over 2,000 pounds, just ridiculous amount. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of crops out there that can be 10 times the nutrient value, 200 times in some cases. And uh, that's going to change the game in, in so many different ways. It's actually hard to imagine for a lot of people. So one of those results is that we have very... The, the outcomes of poor food quality are we've lost the medicinal qualities of plants. Those are your anti-parasitic compounds, antibacterial, anti-cancer, anti-diabetic, anti-asthmatic. And more results. What does that result in? Uh, mental health problems, digestive disorders like leaky gut and Crohn's, food allergies, autoimmune diseases, obesity, cancer, diabetes. Imagine a world without diabetes, without obesity, without cancer. Now imagine a world without chronic inflammation. If you, if you realize what I just said, you'd be shaking your head and you know, if your, floor, your jaw would be dropping. That could be a possibility because uh, we, once you remove the foundational supports of chronic inflammation, which one of them is... Uh, omega-6 to omega-3 ratios, if you remove these from not only the food you, you uh, cook yourself, but packaged foods, foods you find in restaurants, all food across the board is healthier, then a lot of these problems just go away on their own. This results in broken systems, you know, the healthcare system, the food supply, banking, government, and not to mention the environmental impacts such as carbon emissions and depletion of our soil, excess water consumption, species die-off, mass extinctions, toxic runoff, and so-called climate change. This actually combats climate change as well. So inputs to food quality. These are the farming practices that kind of go into creating nutrient density. And these involve uh, herbicides and pesticides like glyphosate, atrazine, dicamba, and farming practices like uh, genetic modification. And there's two big inputs that most people aren't uh, aware of, and that's fertilizing, a fertilizer and tilling. And they have good benefits, but they also come with great cost to the environment and to uh, microbial life and water consumption. And all this stuff um, actually buys the uh, big ag and big pharma a lot of influence. So they, they buy up politicians and public health agencies, corporations, and nations. And they create things such as the food pyramid, uh, propaganda like the cholesterol lies and the saturated fat causes heart disease theory. And they institute these uh, rules and regulations through labeling laws and lack of choice 
they, they buy up all the small food companies and they control the market. So I write about a thing called the matrix. You know, a lot of people have heard about we're living in a matrix and uh, it's, it's helpful to know where that actually comes from. And uh, so what happens is the would-be rulers of the world, they find a pool or river of something valuable. And it could be money or attention. It could be petroleum. It could be electricity or labor or natural resources. And what they do is they get a bucket and start scooping. And uh, soon they, they build a pipeline into their vaults and mansions. But soon thereafter, they they realize, hey, why don't we dam up the river and control the entire flow and siphon off as much as possible? And they, they do that through rules and regulations and licenses and certifications and oversight groups like medical boards, taxes, and they form monopolies and oligarchies. And they restrict the supply and create scarcity through intellectual property and, and buying up all this, um, all these commodities in our world. And so where do we see that? We see that in, in systems such as finance and food supply, healthcare, higher education, even entertainment and uh, natural resource like diamonds. Uh, they, they attempt to restrict the supply. And the result is you get choke points. You get toll booths everywhere you look. And that creates more poverty and extreme wealth. It creates less freedom, more oppression, more tyranny. And it actually benefits them if, if it produces moral decay and the collapses of the society because it creates consumerism. It depletes people's attention span and all kinds of uh, buying behaviors and uh, mindset shifts and stuff. It just basically dumbs people down. So what's happened is the powers that be, are, they're sucking so much energy out of the people that many can't survive at this point. Point. The, the tax burden is just uh, so oppressive. And I created a little uh, mind map that you can find on the internet. Uh, I apologize to people that can't see this. I'll read off the, um, uh, the little nodes on this mind map. So in the center is food quality, inputs and outcomes. And there's, there's a bunch of um, nodes that are surrounding the central thing like a sun. And these are like little planets. So farming practices, farm outcomes, mental health, chronic disease, psychosocial, consciousness, society, business, control and corruption, and the environment. And these are all things that either contribute to food quality or the, they're the outcomes of food quality. And so what I'm suggesting, there's just a massive amount of impact of all the things about nutrient density, when you improve that to its natural peak and beyond, you have systemic changes throughout uh, not only your health, but society in general. So in conclusion, restoring food quality to ancestral levels and beyond solves countless existential crises involving health, society, economic, environmental, relationships, and government. And I say that human biology and consumer demand solves many of these problems. So the movement uh, is actually unlike any commercial product launch in, in that it's grassroots. And we're all going to be in charge and responsible for our own decisions. It's not like um, 
normally when a company comes up with an invention, they want to own and control everything. And they restrict the supply and basically whatever can be corrupted will be corrupted. And so this is a built completely differently. And so what's needed for, from everyone is, you know, we're fighting a huge price and convenience advantage in packaged foods or um, going through the drive-through. That's, that's a hard convenience advantage to, to combat. So everyone needs to be knowledgeable and everyone needs to be proactive in this new thing, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you can all start by learning about food quality by reading Gut Brain Secrets. And um, you can learn all the, the details that go beyond just, oh, good food is healthy for you. You know, so, but a little, little note, if you look on Amazon, it, um, the list, the live listing might appear on page two, three, or four, cause they're playing a little games with that. So that is the conclusion of the, this part of the presentation. And now we can get into solutions if you like. Bernadette, do you have any questions or, uh, like me to clarify anything? Um, first of all, I am blown away. I, I love how you brought it all together. I mean, you have said everything that I feel like where we've been heading, the things that this show is about. It's, I've had parts of this conversation with people all over and you've put it all in one place. I wrote down a little saying that I just came up with here. Um, if we need like little things to put on memes, stop feeding the monster and start feeding yourself because you know, pharma's the monster, big tech is the monster. You know, if we don't want these things taking over our lives, you know, we got to quit giving them their money. That's how we feed them. And and your suggestion, the solution is really so empowering because it's each individual is totally empowered. We don't have to wait for somebody to come rescue us. We don't have to wait for um, somebody else to create the solution. We are the solution. I just, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it makes me feel so happy. What about you, Javier? Just the same. There's so many uh, overlaps and, and uh, uh, fantastic uh, intersections that, uh, that, that Brandy brings together here. It just reminds me of also the uh, biodynamic farming practices that started in the 1920s. We're starting to gain steam and all of a sudden we're smashed down after uh, World War II. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's so much there to, uh, uh, th there's so many beautiful things that to, to, to look into. So I'm, I'm real interested to hear what, uh, what the next uh, half of this presentation has. I, I am too. It seems like he might be setting up for that. So we'll wait till we see his image or see something that he's going to be sharing uh, with us. Um, but, you know, the community that we moved to in Tennessee, and I know that all across this country, this is already beginning what he's describing because so many people are saying, I'm going back to the land. Yep. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of being forced to do this or that. I don't trust um, public health. I don't trust big medicine and discovering and we're, we're getting together regularly to teach each other how to do things. Um, one of our the new friends where we are, they just put in our little message group, we just got another dairy cow. And I'm like, yay, because somebody else is going to be supplying the butter and the, and the yogurt and, um, you know, nutrient dense foods, exactly what he's saying, Javier, because exactly. it's so true. If you feel good and you can think clearly, you don't need to go buy their medicine, their drugs, or even, even the supplements. I mean, I don't want to you know, leave out that the whole, even the supplement industry, industry, which, you know, I support to a degree, but some of it does, 
you don't need to supplement certain things if you're getting it from your food and getting it from your food is superior. Absolutely. You know, it always, it always has been because you get, it's kind of like, you know, like we've kind of explained that when you get a vaccination, you get injected with a little something that bypasses the entire immune system. And it, it never gives you that broad, durable level of protection as natural immunity does. Right. You can't fool mother nature. The same thing with supplements, right? So maybe some of the whole food supplements that kind of give you the whole kit and caboodle, but you know, doesn't it come down to the fact that you really can't fool mother nature? No. <laughs> mother nature knows best. That's always yeah. the case. Just reminds me, I just wanted to add something else to uh, uh, to Randy's presentation that for the longest time it was known that supplementing the soil with um, uh, with uh, rock powder was sup superior to fertilizer in many cases. That if you could actually uh, uh, take very finely ground stone and spread it on your field, uh, that it would actually pr increase the production of, uh, of um, uh, the yield because you have all those minerals. And oh. one of the early on in the 1700s and 1800s uh, in Europe, uh, people were wondering, why is it that valleys are so productive and, and fruitful. Mm. And it was because glaciers would come in and grind down all that stone and it would rush down into the valleys and you'd have this concentration of mineral. Yeah. So productive and beautiful. So yeah. there's so many practices that we can uncover and rebuild. Yes. Yeah. And I, I've been looking into, cause we're going to have a big garden next year, my husband and I, and um, we have to, we've got clay soil basically. Um, and, you know, so we're going to have to fix up the soil here. It's not it's, or there, Tennessee, where we are anyway. Um, but I've been studying for the future once we get this soil ready, the no-till method. And the way I learned about it, one of the early promoters of it was a woman like in her 70s who always had to have somebody come in and till for her. And then one year that somebody was very unreliable and she started thinking, well, why is it that I can grow asparag asparagus, just replant in the same thing? And I don't till that. Why can't I just poke seeds down where thing already decayed and let it grow up? And she, so she tried it and she got a gorgeous yield. And so now there's this whole science behind, if you don't disturb the soil over and over again, you keep, you know, and you let things decay down and you add some leaves on top, and then you just begin to build the soil up instead of every year, just extracting from the soil and then having to put artificial things on top. It's just, it's just fascinating um, that to learn about this. That was also the the uh, the experience that Cuba had when they lost the support of Russian uh, oil uh, shipments. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. they had to go back to traditional farming methods and building up the soil. And mm -hmm. they were able to, for the most part, grow enough to feed the entire island while maintaining so actually not maintaining soil quality, improving soil quality. Yeah. To the point that they were yeah. actually get, they were actually increasing topsoil quality in their island. Wow. Yeah. So, I love that. And I, I love the way Randy in, in looking at this and looking at health and food and soil and nutrient. I absolutely love the idea of switching from paying farmers. See, I wrote it down. Uh, farmers right now, they're paid on volume and appearance. So you've got a whole bunch of apples that look gorgeous, but they're really hard and they're like lacking in nutrients, but they look good on the shelf. 
right? And you're paying $2.99 a pound for it. But it and it ships well, you know. It, um, switching from that to the the density of the food, get paid because food has the proper nutrient um, density. And of course, you know, one of the things like Weston Price, it's like you got to you got to support your local farmer, grow what you can, support your local farmer so things don't have to um, travel all the way so far, like from another country to you. Every country should as much as they can try to, I guess, be growing their own. Um, I'm hoping we can bring Randy uh, back on. Is he, is he still having trouble with his second half of his presentation? Maybe we could just bring him on if he wants to talk about it, even if his... Um, presentation isn't ready we've got a black screen so i'm not sure where randy there, there he is <laughs> i i see him joining us again um okay sorry about that guys can you uh, hear me he's still gonna can you hear me we can hear you that's okay it happened yes can you hear us it, i shut down the uh the slide share and it kicked me out somehow it wouldn't let oh, me dear. back in, basically Okay. Well, I'm glad that you were back. We were just talking about how much we loved your presentation and, and what it means. And we just left off and love the idea of instead of paying farmers on volume and appearance, we moved to paying them for uh, nutrient density. And, and um, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. That is so important. And one point I wanted to make is that it's been infuriating over the past decade or so. The FDA will approve a genetically modified product. They will compare it to its, its natural form. And they will look at like a handful of things, vitamin C, E, or whatever's naturally in that product. Oh, it's also in the GMO version. And so they're equivalent. They'll look at just a handful of things and not even have equal measures of what those nutrients are and claim that they're the same thing. I mean, that's really absurd that, um, that they're getting away with that. And um, so Randy's whole approach here, I just love. It just marries so much with all of the things I stand. It was just fate. I was set to meet you at that, at that conference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And a fortuitous, wasn't it? it? It really was. So are you ready to give us some? We've got um, yeah, like 20 minutes to, or a little bit less than that, to go um, cover the second part, the solutions. Yeah. Wait till you hear this. So it's not just a general kind of everyone needs to be more proactive and we need to focus. It, this is an actual solution. So oh, Okay. This. So okay. In, in researching what to say about gut-brain secrets, I actually ran across a guy who's actually doing the solution and he's um, been working on it for quite some time, 10 years, the last two years, they've actually released a device that will measure nutrient density on the spot in cool. the field. And so this changes the game completely. Uh, you know, previously we had to rely on trust to trust that the organic label is going to bring us something or a non GMO project verified or what have you. And that is basically, these are all process standards. So, you know, organic is the exclusion of certain disallowed pesticides, herbicides, but really it says nothing about nutrient density. And mm -hmm. it, they've tested nutrient density, these guys that I'm talking about, his group, so that a lot of things we thought were really great and paid a premium for, they're actually no better than the average. And indeed, organic is a little bit below the average um so imagine if 
the grower could test nutrient density as a plant was growing. The distributors and wholesalers could test it. Um, and the, the end consumer could as well. So they actually have a device on the market. It's in rudimentary form right now, and they're developing it as a nonprofit. Um, but it will allow you to see nutrient density so you could know. And by eliminating all that um, ambiguity, you it, it changes the game completely because yeah. Yeah. you're going to create uh, an upward pressure of everyone in the food supply all being able to see something, actual numbers, mm -hmm. and it'll competition to the top. They're also collecting... Um, nutrient values and correlating that with farming practices. So we will see which farming practices result in which nutrient values. And we're not talking just a few minerals. We're talking upwards of 500 to 700 different nutrients. And some of these more exotic things that produce the medicinal qualities of plants are going to be seen and measured. So, and uh, so. I, think I, about I'm thrilled. I think competition to the top. Okay, so you, you hit on another, such an important element is human beings need motivation to do things, right? We, mm -hmm. everything is sort of set up so that you feel compelled to do a certain action and know how to kind of play on what makes human beings work, right? Competition mm -hmm. is one of the main things that really drive humanity forward. And to have this little testing thing, like you said, any of us could go into a store and say, oh, no, I'm not paying $2.99 a pound for that. Are you kidding? There's no nutrients in it. This is, this is unbelievable. And you will go to the farmer's market and go, look at it, it's off the chart on my testing device. And so then you're going to want to spend maybe a dollar more because you know that the apple has six times more nutrients. You only need to eat one apple instead of six, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so let's get back to uh, mindset and uh, consumer demand. Okay. The previous conversation was about, oh, well, this label's on it, so I have to pay more. And everyone in that chain from the US, uh, USDA and all the growers, they want to get more money to um, get this certification. Yeah. And so we're paying a premium for something we think is something, but actually it's not so much. It's maybe a little bit better. Yeah. We're going to change the conversation so that um, it's no longer based on volume, you know, price compare it based on volume. Now it's nutrient density. So for things 10 times, you know, we're actually paying for the nutritional content. Now mm -hmm. it doesn't seem so expensive, does it? But indeed, yeah. I think a rising tide is going to raise all ships in that even the bottom level processed and packaged food companies will be... Um, on board yeah. and they'll be competing because yeah. their products, if they're seen as being less nutritious, they might stay on the shelf. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. And as long as, I guess we have to keep that watchful eye out for it during this transitional period when the, the, the poorest of society don't get stuck with the junk food with no nutrients and only the people who can afford it. With any movement, isn't it usually though that a lot of times it is people who can afford this new as the new system enters. And then eventually, like you said, it floats everybody's boats to the top. Eventually it'll all come together. Mm -hmm. This is exciting. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, yeah. the major seismic shifts are coming to so many different uh, things, not only the the farming and the health health outcomes, but the environmental impact too, because um, an acre of biologically active farming land can sequester 10 to 20 tons of carbon rich biomass. Mm. And so farming, uh, factory farming actually releases millions and millions of tons of carbon into the atmosphere. If climate change were um, really a thing, this would be one <laughs> yeah. of the solutions. Yeah. Uh, we suspect um, about half of the carbon emissions emitted into the atmosphere come from factory farming and uh, fertilizer and tilling, basically. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, my head is just swimming with so many questions. This little device, you said it's, a, okay, two things. It measures nutrients. Does it also measure any toxins in the food so that you'd be aware of those as well? Toxins are much less dense, um, so eventually it will be, but uh, they have to make the device more sensitive. Right now, only the uh, most expensive devices uh, that are uh, the, the commercial versions do, okay. the industrial versions do, but not yet. That, that's coming. Okay. And the device will, uh, it's anticipated that it will eventually be incorporated into iPhones and smartphones, so we'll each have one in our hand oh it's just it's it just scans it. it it how does it work like in some sort of light wave or what yeah what? Fla flashes a light the frequency that returns will tell you what is in the uh, uh food or fruit or vegetable i i feel like i just got my own uh one of those little flip things from star trek that that um, Dr. You know, Bones used to scan and he'd be able to scan things and say, you got it. what's in it? <laughs> yeah, very similar, very similar to that, that idea. It just, it seems um, like so sci-fi that you could scan a food with your phone and it would tell you what nutrients are in it. That's amazing <laughs> to me. Yeah, and you really have to, sit back and analyze because you'll over the next week or so you'll think gosh you know if i could see the nutrients in my food a lot of things will change you know your decision making your thought process yeah. will change um nutritionists yeah. are going to have a ball you know being able to solve things imagine if you could grow a fruit specifically to address a certain health issue because you know they've learned that a certain nutrient will activate a certain enzyme pathway or something that will um, reduce the body's uh, proclivities to make a diabetic situation happen. You know, if you could mm -hmm. grow, like we've heard of food as medicine. Well, oh, yeah. the, to me, that's uh, it's a good idea, but it could be taken a lot further. What if we actually could grow sp fruits or vegetables specifically for health conditions? Mm -hmm. Well, see, then you, you, you begin to frighten me just a little bit because some of the language that you're using, some of the language of the people who are all about getting in there and gene editing and, and really monkeying with the work. So I, I'm a little shy of saying how much do we interfere? But if you're just talking about using traditional ancient growing practices to provide the right nutrients because we know 
that a properly grown fruit or vegetable is medicine for a particular disease. I'm with you hundred percent. I just don't yeah, want them to. Yeah, this, is just, this is just <laughs> ancestral wisdom being brought into the modern age. Yeah. We know like how many shamans and ancient indigenous cultures knew certain plants yes. did a great job of alleviating. So yeah. it's just measuring what they already knew and, and witnessed. Yeah. But you're, you're talking about the death of the pharmaceutical industry. So we're going to have a bit of a fight on our hands. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I hesitate to say too much about uh, that, but uh, you're on the right. You're think you're thinking along the right lines. Yeah. Well, you know that the, the um, your way it, when competition gets in. I mean, we have seen industry in the past see that what they used to make is becoming a dinosaur, or they're making now is becoming a dinosaur, and the people and the consumers are moving in a different direction. They will get their research teams on how can we jump on that bandwagon. So again, competition serves potentially after they fight us and tell us you can't do that. You refuse to give up, then they'll join us. <laughs> yeah. You may be hearing all of this stuff for the first time now, but it's been underway for the general concept about 10 years and, mostly uh, within the last two or three years, there's uh, technological advances that are gaining traction. So, but you haven't seen any of the results in the, um, the open market place quite yet, but soon it will be unstoppable because it's going to be basically open source. It's going to be um, um, in the commons, these technologies and the data. So, I, have, I want one. Sign me up. I want. I want one for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said they're available, right? No, future iterations to make it a little more sophisticated. Um, you know, so it'll be more used for the uh, the the average consumer. Okay. But pretty soon it will be unstoppable because it's going to be, as I say, a grassroots movement where we all use our own taste buds to motivate our buying behavior. And our taste buds know that the nutrition comes from the bacteria and the, the, the micro life in the soil produces all those nutrients. And then we taste it. And then that's going to drive all our uh, buying behavior, which is going to drive all these markets and systems in the right direction mm -hmm. and kind of away from control and manipulation like we're so used to seeing. It's we, we just assume there's no other alternative because we, we see these all around us. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite expressions that my listeners have heard me say a lot is um, they threw the baby out with the bathwater. And a lot of the things that we're doing today, they weren't they we didn't go in that direction because somebody wanted to harm us by getting rich. We went in that direction because they wanted to make life easier because farming is hard. You know, there's just so many different things that went into the decision. A lot of it was just trying to make life easier for humans. Um, and then of course, once something becomes profitable, then you're sort of tied to something, even if you see that's not a very good way, if you've got a whole industry behind it. Um, and of course, then it gets manipulated. And what, you know, when we began the um, growing massive crops, you know, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of acres of the same monocrop, we at first didn't understand how important it is to have the diversity in the 
you know, although the ancient wisdom is you put in hedgerows, you provide places in between and you separate crops. And so bringing back that wisdom. One of the things you said, if you could elaborate on, I'm gonna watch the time, we're doing okay. Um, I, I, we almost could do a whole show on it. You said that it's the bacteria and nutrients in the soil that are responsible mm -hmm. then for things that are now missing in food that provides most of the flavor. Mm -hmm. That is something I, I wasn't aware of in that way. That's really fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're biologically wired to seek that out. That's, um, uh, it's the thing that's missing with factory farming because when you eliminate, well, let me back up. When you till and use inorganic fertilizer, you kill off the micro life in the soil. These uh, compounds are some 20 to 50,000 atoms. They're huge. And so the, the microbes, they arrange these atoms into groups and then the plant will assemble them into the, the final molecule, which is gigantic. And, um, so when you till and when you use fertilizer, it kills the, the bacteria and the fungi that, that arrange these molecules into larger groups. And uh, it's, it, it's fascinating because it's all consistent with nature and it's just the way you think it would be if you were designing biology yourself. Wow. But uh, yeah, it's um, sorely lacking. Uh, if you've ever... Yeah. Uh, if you've ever eaten fresh stuff off the vine it is so yeah. dramatically different it's just yeah it yeah oh it is it, it, it's huge i didn't know that i liked broccoli until i had fresh you know picked from someone's yard organic broccoli and it's like it's a whole different animal it's just amazing and fresh crisp peas this year we grew a lot of like green peppers and and yellow peppers and jalapenos and peppers grow really well in tennessee so i do well with things that grow well and you know just to walk down the the row of them and grab it and eat it you know it's the first food you eat that day ah nothing like it just amazing even corn. An, huh have you ever had an oregon grown strawberry i don't think i have yeah. Uh, so somewhere along the line, they invented, you know, California strawberries, which are designed for a long shelf life. They have much fewer, uh, much less sugar, mm -hmm. but Oregon uh, grown right off the, the vine. Oh my gosh. They are so flavorful. They're such a dramatic. I don't yeah. even eat California grown strawberries because they're so, they're gross. They're gro yeah. <laughs> Sorry, California. I remember my first, and then I want you to give us contact information. My son, when he was about three years old, the first time he ever tried strawberries, um, we were living in Washington and my neighbor came over with some fresh picked strawberries that she had grown. And it was the first time he had them. And the look on his face, they were warm and fresh picked and his eyes just got huge and he's just, just loving these things. Um, they devour yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had blueberry bushes. We need to get those out here as well. And he'd get up in the morning and just go out and graze. He would just eat them right off the bush. It was wonderful. Um, so we're, we've got like uh, two minutes left, I think, and we're getting close. So tell people how they can find you. What's the best website to go to find your books, to, to hear more about what you're telling us here today? Okay. Um, well, I'm not active on social media, and right now I actually don't have a website, but uh, you can find uh, the books Gut Brain Secrets and the Mitochondriac Manifesto on anywhere books are sold. 
However, uh, Gut Brain Secrets might, like I said, it might be on, uh, you might find the live listing on page two, three, or four because Amazon's playing little games. But okay. I have a special <laughs> offer for your viewers right now. Um, I need some reviews for Gut Brain Secrets. So the first uh, five people that um, request a review copy so they can uh, read it and post a re review on Amazon or Goodreads or one of those review sites. Okay. Uh, you can email me at info at the mitoman.com. That's okay. T H E M I T O M A N.com, short for the mitochondriac manifesto. So the mitoman. So info, info at the mitoman, the first five people who request a view copies and say they will write reviews. Yeah. A review copy. Okay. We all send them a, a free copy of uh, Gut Brain Secrets uh, if they'll review it on one of their favorite review sites. Fantastic. And we'll repeat so that. So if you're seeing uh, this later on, you know, in 2023, it'll probably be too late. <laughs> yeah, a little too late, but you can go get the latest version. I bet you there'll be like a seventh, eighth edition by then. <laughs> okay, we're going to we're gonna have to take a break. We've hit the top of the hour. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW with Andy Lee, the Mito Man, and Dr. Javier, and we'll be back. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to Informed Choice Wa dot org today we need a Hello and welcome back to an 11th, uh, 
sorry, let me start that over to Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHD TV. And I think still some folks on Facebook might be seeing us. Everybody share, share, share. Facebook doesn't like to let it share uh, through their methods, so push it on out there. Anyway, the first hour is fantastic. We've Dr. Javier Figueroa in the house with us, and I believe Randy is still here. I don't know if he's going to hang backstage or he's going to join us. Yay, Randy. I so loved what you gave us this that first hour. And this next hour, let's just bring on right away, if he's still there, we've got Dr. Ted Fogarty. He is also a mitochondria man. He's got somebody with him, and he's uh, our HBOT expert. Hey, Ted. Hey, Bernadette. Hey, can Javier. you tell us? Tell us who you've got there with us. This is my brother from another, my uh, clinical partner in medicine, Dr. Hi. Bradley Russell Meyer, uh, trained, in, trained in Des Moines and did his residency at UNMC in Omaha, my hometown. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the story of how we got together is, is kind of an amazing, miraculous kind of sequence of events. But... Uh, we put this we, we put this clinic together together and uh, aeronautics performance and Okaboji wellness and um, it's all under this umbrella label that I like to kind of use to scare some of the people who might be against us. But we have a law firm of physics called Fogarty <laughs> and Meyer PLLC, and uh, physics as applied the laws of physics as applied to uh, human health and and wellness. And so, um, Bradley, if you want to just Maybe go into a little bit of our kickoff yeah. podcast with happy to be with everybody here. Bernadette, Javier. Yeah, Great. welcome, Dr. Meyer. Guys, okay. I really enjoyed our uh, last hour. Uh, really resonated with me and this new age of breaking through this matrix that I'm seeing specifically in the, the realm of traditional medicine. I'm in the process of breaking out of my cocoon. So, um, you know, uh, I, I've been stuck in the paradigm as most of us have been traditionally trained. Uh, we've, uh, uh, we're more and more of us now are, are breaking out as a result of what the last two and a half, three years have, have brought forward. So, but, uh, you know, I got to meet Dr. Fogarty through uh, a patient of mine. I was treating for COVID long haul and, um, and she uh, was suggesting hyperbaric therapy for her COVID long haul sy symptoms. And uh, uh, that's, that's how we got connected. And uh, we, we further went down the road with uh, my early treatment protocols that uh, uh, matched a lot of the, the folks like uh, Dr. Zev Zelenko and uh, Pierre Corey. I was doing things in June of 2020 with hydroxychloroquine, seeing tremendous results with that and, and uh, getting the ire of my corporate colleagues uh, for daring to treat outside of the box. Um, and so- Can uh, I just interrupt yeah. for one second? Yeah. Brad, Brad is a, um, he was in the US Air Force as a, as a flight surgeon and he was over in the Mideast using hydroxychloroquine to help protect troops. So I, I was 2011. It's pretty comfortable wow. with it. it. wasn't as dangerous as they were all making it out to be. And I was seeing clinical results with it. But uh, they told me to stop talking. Uh, I, I, essentially, I was given informed consent for my patients about the COVID injection. And uh, the, the corporate thugs 
out of Sioux Falls came to Northwest Iowa and said, "Hey, you gotta you gotta stop talking about that with the uh, the community about the COVID COVID injections because you're confusing everybody." Um, <laughs> so um, I thought I was giving proper informed consent, and uh, and and so they said, "Stop doing that. We really think you got to stop prescribing ivermectin." Had a bunch of ivermectin orders blocked on the floor of the hospital with patients that were asking for them. And then I called up to Dr. Fogarty on one final block with a local realtor. Key point, yeah. he called across state lines. And I have become a somewhat of an interstate commerce expert in protecting medical practices because one of the most important laws of the land is the protection of interstate commerce. And so I've been pioneering with Bradley and some and some other physicians the concept that if we do these things across state lines from North Dakota to Iowa and back and forth and, and, and across from North Dakota to South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, Nebraska to Iowa, you know, and, you know, like Lee Merritt, she's, she's got an Omaha practice and she's, she's one of the biggest, according to the NPR, COVID misinformation specialists. And she's, <laughs> and so she's writing prescriptions across state lines and I'm writing prescriptions with Brad you know, out of Omaha pharmacies for attorneys. My favorite clientele is actually attorneys. Since I am the son and grandson of two, two great attorneys from Omaha named Edward Francis Fogarty as well. And so I've got this whole kind of attorney mindset from the laws of physics, translating into this bio warfare system. And Brad comes along and calls me up and you know, tell, tell the story of, of Marilyn Strickland. This is all a public record anyway. Uh, Sidney Powell's camp did a, an incredible documentary last December on uh, all of this COVID stuff, but she really, her camp really featured Dr. Meyer and, and the Marilyn Strickland story of the IVNAC that we did. Right. So it's, it's innovation or, you know, use, using our brains to come up with solutions when they're saying standard care is the way that we're supposed to do things. So I called up Dr. Fogarty and, and, and uh, he mentioned IV and acetylcysteine, uh, which is used to treat a multitude of things, including cystic fibrosis, Tylenol overdose. Uh, Using uh, radiology. This is yeah. from my professional practice. I have, I have literally over the last 15 years as a teleradiology specialist across the country, even before the pandemic, I have been advising family practice docs, ER docs, ICU docs, to use 600 milligrams of IV NAC before and after a CT with a contrast load in somebody who's got uh, renal insufficiency. So, so that's where, you know, again, we, we, we've, we've already got these inter interstate commerce uh, precedents. And then Brad employs this concept across state lines. Yeah. And so how, yeah, how we, did things she go? Was, she was heading towards the ICU, increased oxygen requirements and, uh, uh, of course, my ivermectin order was uh, was a no go for her on the hospital floor. So, uh, but uh, if you remember back early in the pandemic, they were there was talk about you know NAC being taken off the shelves as well. And uh, yeah, I, I was going to bring that up. Let me. I just want to make a a point here for our listeners so to make sure they understand the product we're talking about. So, um, and. Yeah, this is, let me just explain it. Okay. This is a single amino acid. It's the most important amino, single amino acid in the history of medicine. It is the rate limiting step for sulfur-sulfur double bonds in most of the antibodies that are produced in your body. 
So from the immune system, there's there's all of these cross-linked um, uh, uh, proteins that need to be uh, folded into complex 3D geometrical shapes, and it's the it's the glutathione inside the cell that's riveting all of these protein chains together. And um, I was taught a lot of this by Dr. Albert Crum, who is a Harvard psychiatrist who actually patented, and get this, in, in the nation of Canada, Immune Formulation 200 by Albert Crum has all patent rights to be called an antiviral system. And that patent came down on uh, February 19th of 2020. If people want to look up the patent in the, in the Canadian Patent Office, I kind of have a photographic memory for these things, but it's under uh, uh, Canadian patent CA 2963131. And it, it gives Dr. Crum licensure to claim antiviral impacts. And so what, what I then did, and Brad, well, let's get the big one. The purplepowder.com is our website where people can go out and from the purplepowder.com, it's kind of easier to remember. You can go check out the aeronautics clinic, but this purple powder and, and Bernadette, thank you so much because, you know, you put this up as Fogarty's formula back mm -hmm. in 2020, I believe, mm -hmm. yeah. or I think December of 2020, it was already on the Washington uh, informed. Uh, informed Trace Washington's web. Yes. Washington. Uh, website. So if you do a search on my name, Fogarty, that's the first thing that pu pulls up. And of course, Javi all of Javier's great writings to the University of Washington. If you if you if you search his last name, yeah, it, it, it pulls up these incredible things that you know he's, yeah. he he went on the record in the university academic community as one of our our truly Javier is one of our leading scientists of of biophysics in this country, and. Um, <laughs> and he, he really, he really, he really made these incredibly strong statements that basically predicted where we are now with all these university students getting un unnecessarily vaccinated and harmed. But so, um, so, so when Bradley and I got together over the IV NAC play, and so Randy, this kind of works into your, your concept of where you're going with the mitochondrial um, awareness, but I've been practicing mitochondrial medicine, even in imaging, going back to 2006, when I when I, I was the first person outside of uh, the first radiologist in the country outside of Texas and uh, a couple other places to bring in molecular breast imaging, uh, which uses a, a mitochondrial labeling agent to actually find breast cancers. And I, I pioneered that actually before Mayo Clinic had their their breast cancer device off off the ground, but so. So that that whole like mitochondrial thought process uh, that you're onto, Randy, I've been in within the grid, within the academic university uh, radiology crowd and and uh, uh, research crowd. I've been promoting the concept that if we simply from and this is, goes into the physics, the philosophy of physics, but if we simply decrease entropy by increasing energy through mitochondrial conditioning, all sorts of other things just go swimmingly easier in, in all these disease processes. And that's also what comes out of, you know, what Javier has been doing in, in writing up, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the most important scientific principles in the hyperbaric crowd. Uh, Javier, you know, I, I, I presented at uh, HBOT 2016, I presented your paper 
um, as it's it was really this this world class this world class discussion that you put together um, published in the Journal of Neurology on on how all of this hyperbaric research that Dr. Harch and I have been a part of and 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 been the pioneers of it actually even from the DoD studies you 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 went back and did a metadata analysis showing we have enough evidence here that we as a society should we should be paying for hyperbarics for neurological injury especially in our veterans uh, community mm-hmm. and um, then of course um, Dr. Hart actually uh, my my primary mentor in hyperbarics outside of you know Dr. Crum he came down with this paper uh, which then goes to the next level of evidence in in medicine that we we would call grade grade A level level one evidence that we should we should, our entire society is actually, you know, from an economic health and wellness standpoint, um, we're we're losing tons of money not taking care of people with hyperbaric chambers, and, exactly, and, and any version of it. And so, yeah, um, Ted, I want to back it up just a little bit because I had interrupted and I, I went blank. I didn't write down your name, Dr. Meyer. Yep. Meyer. Thank you, Dr. Meyer. I need to write yeah. that down. I apologize. Yeah, but no you were about to say what happened, what the FDA was trying to do early on in this pandemic. So what I noticed when the pandemic started or what it planned, whatever it, it was, um, there are a lot of smart people in the U.S. and Amazon began immediately selling out of the highest quality vitamin C, D, zinc and NAC and acetylcysteine, that essential uh, amino acid that helps your body make glutathione and is necessary to, to heal and overcome you know, viral infections and whatnot. Um, and not soon after that, the FDA is paying attention and seeing, hey, these people know. And probably the drug industry was noticing that these people know what to buy. And if we don't um, interfere with their ability to get this, and this is all guesswork, right? I'm putting thoughts in, in an agency's mouth here. They didn't actually say this, but this is my thought about what yep. they did. But they and, did know. Yeah, they did know. Well, yeah. In 1991, Stanford backed it up in right. 1996. Yeah. Albert Plum had Georgia State University publish in, in the same month that Paul Hartz and I published the protocols to reverse dementia mm-hmm. right there in January of 2019 is the same month that Albert Crum and Georgia State University published that you could use glutathione amino acid precursors as a as a perfect anti-RNA viral uh, system. Yeah. And so what did they do is they began to, to threaten and for a while Amazon moved. They, they began to say NAC is a drug. And you cannot use it as a supplement. And they they try to restrict access to it, which is just criminal to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, and I, we, I got to see firsthand how well it worked. This, this Outside of the hyperbarics that should have been used instead of, you know, intubation in the hospitals. Yes. Um, the IBNAC was incredible. And we set that precedent. Marilyn you know, it saved her life. She literally got out of the hospital in three days. And, uh, and, and, and then that precedent was set in that hospital. Um, and, and so really, uh, Ted wanted us to keep moving here. So I got to, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So if, if individuals, is this something now, um, getting resistance? If an individual says, 
I want IV NAC, or if they got their doctor to tell the hospital, I've, I want. I've, I've, I've asked strategic communications for, for vitamin G, vitamin GSH, glutathione. Um, I've gotten it into a number, a number of, of hospitals at night through my teleradiology practice across the country. Um, but more specifically in relationship to Brad's experience and my experience across state lines between mm -hmm. South Dakota uh, controlled Avera um, and, and, uh, and, and where Brad used to be employed. In April of 2020, I went with a, a, a stalwart 20 year veteran of, uh, of, of, South, of Sioux Falls nephrology, Bob Santella. I approached him who had a patient in the ICU at Avera in April of 2020. And um, the, the wife of this patient called me, found me through the North Dakota, South Dakota networks of, you know, who's, who's, who can I call to get some help in here? And um, so, so she had the wife of one of his beloved patients for 20 years, you know, these nephrologists, when they have a patient that they, they get renal transplants done on and they follow these people, they're, they're like, they're like family. And so, um, uh, so Dr. Santella and I talked about this and I said, um, you know, look, I'm going to actually, I'm going to drop ship from my, um, uh, compounding pharmacy crowd. I'm going to get some of this pro immune down to the wife tonight, um, from Bismarck down to Sioux Falls. But in the meantime, we both know we, IVNAC it's, it's helpful for the kidneys. It's, it's what we reverse Tylenol overdoses with. And it's been used to protect lung tissue for 50 years. It's the it's the primary pulmonary nutrient. And you know, we Brad and I have even you know developed techniques to have people inhaling proimmune. And and I've actually reversed COPD in some some folks and, and kept some uh, uh, high high level asthmatics out of the emergency room. And, and Brad has too. But um, that's where, you know, you, you look at, okay, so I, I set a precedent across state lines from North Dakota to South Dakota to get IBNAC into Avera in April of 2020 before I even met Brad. And then in the next year, in, in, March, in March of 2021, here he's using it. And then now there's two of his colleagues at the hospital where he was fired for saving lives with IBNAC which Bobby Kennedy did this incredible podcast with him in the summer of 2021 regarding this whole story too. And um, so he's got some, some of his, his former colleagues and, and coworkers in, in medicine, family practice docs who, who if people present to them and say, we're not going to take the remdesivir, then they will give you the IVNAC. And then there's an ultrasound tech from Mitchell. Well, South Ted, let me interrupt here. Yeah. Um, in, <laughs> In, in, in Spirit Lake, so in our, in our hospital, um, we set the precedent. And, and that, Absolutely. Was, that was what happened with Marilyn. Her life was saved. I got the whack job. I was seen, shown the door that about two days later. Thank God. You were, you were fired for saving somebody's life in a hospital. Let's just make yeah. that very yes. clear. Yes. Correct. Yes. And, and, okay. and there's a big lawsuit that we can, we, we, we have on this whole outfit. Good. It, Good. it is, it's criminal but you know god there's there's things that happen for a reason and it's brought me into this integrative wellness picture and uh it's it's a new day but the nac we did that once in that hospital and, and guess what it was not ivermectin that was not the buzzword so I, we i would tell my patients in the community my former patients that got COVID 
after I was fired, I'm like, ask for IVNAC with because you've got co. It's already been done in the hospital. They already approved it. So they're, if they're not going to get, they gave it for Maryland, but they're not going to give it for you. Yeah, that that's a pretty difficult one to defend. Yeah. So that started to happen over and over in this hospital. We would give the PubMed uh, articles on IVNAC and tie it into COVID, the research, and and they would bring this and share it. And this multiple pay, people in the hospital after I got fired, this 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 saved their lives. And then in addition to that, we did it with a hospital down in Orlando. Um, yep. with working with Sydney and Dallas. So, so instead of in Dallas, Texas, the, the thing and, with Ivermectin, everybody kind over. of got stuck with uh, thinking Ivermectin was, you know, there, there's just so many different ways to, to go about things in, in, yeah. right. So, and, and so, and so here's the other thing about my legal medical legal battles that I'm setting up with Bradley is that, you know, I'm, I'm an interstate communicator. That's what I actually, that's my primary job in medicine. I am, I am a medical communication specialist that is teaching other physicians in ICUs all around the country and in ERs what's wrong with their patients at night. And so that's where um, the, the, the cabal, the grid, if you will, they don't want to, they don't really want to mess with that. We haven't, we haven't told new listeners that you're a radiologist. So I, we probably should add that, right? Yeah, well, that's that's all that's all good, and um, you know, because so, when you say that you're you're because you're reading patient charts at night and then sending your inter CTs, interpretations, CTs and CTs. MRIs, and you know okay. what what really goes on in American medicine and has gone on over the last twenty years in particular is that the these physicians are no longer even uh, having time to actually examine their patients. So what do they do? They order a CT, they order an MRI, and they get the answer, the clinical answers from their from their radiology colleagues. And so that's where that's where radiologists were kind of the Einsteins of all of medicine. And uh, we're we're based in device-based medicine, which is another that's another crossroads that I've been trying to get through all of these hyperbaric docs around the country and around the world. You're using a device. Don't call this, don't call this a drug. Because the second you call this a drug, you allow a lot of control levers from, from various regulatory bodies and agencies. And so my whole uh, mission has been to re-encode what I observed in Western Nebraska in terms of um, reversing dementia in the, in, the altitude, in, in, the, in the altitude column on air pressure alone. And so, so it's, if we demedicalize, more, more of this hyperbaric therapy, which Dr. Hartz just basically re, retooled the language to people need to stop calling it hyperbaric oxygen therapy. It's hyperbaric therapy. And, well, and then, and then, and then it's based on what air pressure, which is what we used in the Eden Carlson case. You know, we brought, we've, we've, Dr. Hartz and I have brought back multiple kids who should not be walking and talking. And, and multiple uh, people who've had dementia. And now, and, and now Bradley and I, uh, hand over fist, Dr. Meyer, is, he's literally the clinical, he's, he's got a clinical case series on reversal of dementia that is now as big as me and Paul Hartz put together. I mean, so it, so this this was the new day that was dawning, you know, it's in wherever it may be, agriculture, medicine, you know, in using... Uh, I'm a family doc by trade and I've learned that hyperbarics can apply to 
so many chronic disease states and it's exciting. It's exciting to see patients come in with COVID vaccine injury. Patients come in now from as far away yeah. as come from Ohio um, with uh, dementia and uh, COVID long haul that is responding. What about our kiddos? To, right. To, 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 we've had some kids with seizures that, that that we brought in to do hyperbaric air therapy. Things I, I would have thought carbon monoxide poisoning in the past, you know, a really bad ulcer or, uh, you know, the bends from diving. And so they don't teach us this stuff in medical school. They, right. they, they, they give us yeah. the approved, the quote unquote approval uh, what we what we're supposed to stay within this um, and and that's a lot of the big pharma device. stuff. But when when we started nine months, we've had this clinic now, and it is I say we've treated everything from soup to nuts in here, and we it, it has blown our our staff's mind. These folks used to work in the hospitals, and they're outside of the grid now. We're doing air pressure therapy and seeing recoveries on so many chronic diseases. It literally is blowing my mind. So it's right. Yeah. And so I'm just going to go over as a historian of hyperbaric medicine of sorts. Um, this is the, the uh, one of the last three remaining Bluxom airlocks on the planet. And um, uh, Dr. Bluxom in 1949 designed this mild 2 PSI hyperbaric uh, air therapy system to take care of babies who are born blue before we had NICUs in this country. Oh and there my God. Americans who were born in the 1950s, especially on the, on the military bases, who, who the nurses would stick, stick the blue kids in, especially after a C-section, into this chamber, and they would, they would keep them from dying, okay? And uh, I, ironically, I took the label off, but it used to have a label here that said, no smoking around this thing. <laughs> and so, so, the history of this device when you look at it you know we we had basically hyperbaric nurseries in the 1950s in this country and that's all been whitewashed and the whole apgar system apgar went after this device apgar and the and the northeast corner of american icu nicu docs that developed the nicus of the 1960s they destroyed this device by slamming it in the scientific literature and, and fraudulently slamming it in the scientific literature. Yeah. Now, Apgar, you're talking about the scores of what they give. Yes. Um, when they yes. rate a baby that's born and... and it's a neonatal score. Yeah. Right. So, right. So, so, yeah. So that's, and that's what, like, you know, basically um, through the 1960s, you, you, you had a better chance possibly if you were in a, a rural hospital with a kid that's born funny. with a born blue with an APGOR score of three getting put into one of these things, then you, then you would have potentially in some of these early NICUs where they didn't know what the fuck they were doing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so cool. And what's that graph there that you've got um, into our radio audience? There's a whole bunch of red. If we look up close, are we looking at brains yeah. on there? Well, that, are we looking so that, at just describe what that, what that shows there, Bradley. Randy, you're going to love this one. Spirulina is the top mm -hmm. is the top nutraceutical um, agriculture product that is is a self-replicating antiviral. That's why I put it in the purple powder. But I, I ran across this. We our taxes paid for this monograph and, and this science, which was done down in Florida. Um, Paula Bickford, a researcher with the VA, 
did a study on <laughs> on mice, okay, and regular rat chow, regular not not nutrient dense rat chow, that they did a, a, a planned stroke system. So they fed they fed the mice the control mice for a month just regular rat chow, and you can see this yellow area is how big the stroke is without preconditioning pretreatment of the mitochondrial um, uh, ischemic um, tolerance pathways, and then. Then they used blueberry, which the blueberry strokes, two, uh, it was two to three percent blueberry, and the blueberry stroke is a little smaller. The spinach was at a two to three percent ratio in, in the rat chow, and the stroke is a little smaller. And they used 0.3 percent spirulina added to the rat chow, just a little bit, because this one, this one species, which the Aztecs found in the New World, and they would they would take this. A spirulina cake off of some of the Mexican links, and they would they would they would go feed their feed their their warriors and go fight the Spaniards. This this spirulina, uh, 0.3 percent preconditioning protocol for a stroke. You can barely see the stroke. And so, and so when I found this, when I was chair of radiology at the University of North Dakota way back when it was back in 2008 or 2009, I stumbled across it. I went to the hospital administration, and I'm like. You know, I want to use this as kind of a pre pre-treatment for radiotherapy and protection and stuff like that for for kids coming through with CTs. And of course, it, it got all this bureaucratic uh, wrap up. And, mm -hmm. and one of my my top med students who went to Mayo Clinic, even I had her try to get a, our paper published. She did a review article on spirulina and other radioprotective agents for elective CTs in pediatrics, and and three journals turned it down from out of the radiology crowd, which I was like, what the fuck are you, why, why would they turn that down? But so, but you can see, we have all of these things at our disposal and including like, you know, I'm an atmospheric, I'm an atmospheric junkie in medicine, right? And ozone from the atmosphere, ozone, these ozonators and, and, and in a medical practice and Brad and I are getting, getting this stuff going too, ozone, has this incredible healing effect. I just ran across a paper from out of hospital-based medicine, not in America, of course, but um, th there was a little case report of two cases of COVID victims in a, in a hospital ICU with um, with basically 85% uh, and 90% um, oxygen saturations that they did rectal ozone therapy on and they only had to do it once or once or twice in, in these two cases. And it totally got these these cases out of the ICU and into onto the floor. And then they, they got them out of the hospital. And, and so when and if you look around and uh, and medical gas research is where that's the journal that Paul Harch and I have had to publish in uh, because they actually will accept our papers because it's gas based science. Right. Yeah. Um, even Robert Rowan, who. Uh, he's he's an, another incredible American uh, physician hero. He went into the jungles of, of Ebola outbreaks in 2013, 2014, and started saving all of these lives, even in healthcare workers in some of these African nations that were having Ebola outbreaks. And then he he was politically basically pulled out of there. What was he using to save their lives? Uh, rect rectal ozone. Wow. Okay. Ebola outbreaks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he actually published in Medical Gas Research in um, December of 2019, right before the pandemic year. 
he 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 posed this question in in this paper he published for medical gas research you know uh, we're running out of antibiotic options shouldn't we just be using ozone to complement all these things and you know pain management standpoint you know brad and i are going to be starting to do ozone uh, therapy for pain management which is actually safer cheaper and uh, just as effective as steroids for pain management indications and 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 so and you just look at this from a from a naturopathic standpoint you know we're able to create our own ozone here there's a whole bunch of research that people i would love for people to go into pubmed and do a search on hydrogen inhalation hydrogen gas as an inhalation agent has some some crazy phenomenal healing effects in cancer patients in particular and so we're going to be start we're going to start rolling that kind of stuff out here but um this is this is what i like to call our our miracle room yeah hey um and, ted but before you move further um yeah i just i'm going to interrupt you because um it, it's going so great but i want to ask randy if he has any comments or questions he wants because he's never met you before and he might not realize if you don't speak up and interrupt um ted fogarty you'll never speak so <laughs> <laughs> so randy was there anything you wanted to about spirulina or anything that they're talking about here with the mitochondria or anything Oh, we can't hear you. Are you talking? Well, let me let me go. have let me let, let's try. Let, can let's you hear? Just try. Can we hear you? We can't hear you. Let's see if we can get your can we, your. Can we, can we get him on after Brad tells the story of um our first our first reco dementia recovery in this room. Yes, let's let's do that, and then we'll try to get Randy on. Okay. Okay, Brad, go ahead. Yeah. So Jean Benda, she had COVID and no vaccine and uh she's in her early 80s she's from southern minnesota and she developed some pretty significant memory deficits after she got covid and it was a mild before covid she was living alone on the acreage on the farm by herself she ended up in the memory care unit after covid uh no usually that's that's usually a one-way ticket we can hear you now do, uh... oh we're here in nathan i think who are we hearing? I think I may be muted. Oh, no, we're hearing you now. We can hear you now. Really delayed. It's delayed. It's, not, it's super not, delayed. Not matching your image. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Meyer, go ahead back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Jean, she came in, her, her family had heard about our hyperbaric soft chamber clinic here in Northwest Iowa and uh, looked up some research on dementia reversal with hyperbaric yeah. therapy. And Hello? what do we got to lose? Uh, you know, dementia, again, usually a one way ticket. And so she came in and she was quite combative, confused. Mm. And uh, she did about 30 to 40 treatments with us here. And she got to a point where she was not only discharged from the memory care unit, but she got to go back home. And then in July, she informed Ted and I that she was golfing and driving again. Yeah. And so, you know, driving. Yeah. Wow. Huge. Let me just also give a little more medical legal significance to this. I called Paul Hart right away and I said, have you ever heard of a, a, a medical legal document of a discharge order from a memory care unit from any patient in, in, in America? Have you pulled that off yourself, Paul? He's like, no, Ted, I haven't. 
I haven't been able to get anyone out of these things. And so it, this was this miracle case where this the son of this of this wonderful woman who's an attorney in Jackson, again, my favorite clientele, attorney in Jackson, Minnesota, brings his mom across state lines to have Dr. Meyer reverse her dementia. And then she's out golfing. Yeah, that is hello, amazing. Hello, and miracle oh, medicine. Hearing you, yeah. And so I think I remember you telling me about this, Ted, and you said um, that they they didn't have any discharge paperwork because they'd never been able to discharge anybody before. So right. they had to make the form. Right. Nobody had ever recovered from dementia before. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. It, that's such an exciting story. I mean, the healing power of everything that all of you are working on is just it's phenomenal. It just restores my faith in humanity. I know we got this and we Hello. just got to stay loud and persistent. Hey, Randy, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Oh, you can. I wonder. Yeah, uh, you're yeah. back. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Any I comments? don't really have any questions. Uh, my, my latest area of interest is um, uh, saunas and infrared light and photobiomodulation. So uh, no, I don't know if you guys get into that. But yeah, we've, we've got infrared light here um, and we've got pulse electromagnetic frequency, which out of the radiology world, you know, MRI scanners are basically giant, uh, massive Tesla pulse electromagnetic frequency devices. And and a lot of these devices that have come out in over the last 10 years, um, they've they've really honed in on the right frequencies for healing. And um, Doc Myers wife, Carrie, uh, they they went down to Austin, Texas for this this um, brain injured conference that Dr. Hartz was uh, basically the keynote speaker for. And, and Carrie brought some, some of these kids, these brain injured kids into our, our display area and put these kids on, onto this, these PMF devices. And one mom who had this brain injured child of about four years of age who, who would never sleep. I mean, this, that's one of the, that's part of the hell of raising these kids that are brain injured. However, they get there. Uh, a lot of them have horrible sleep disturbances. And so uh, Carrie put this kiddo, this four-year-old kid on, on a PMF pad for a 15 minute um, calm, calming run. And the kid fell asleep. She did that to my son, Riley too. My son, Riley is basically the reason why I got into all of this stuff starting back in 2006, because he was vaccine injured and I saw it happen right in front of my eyes. And so that's, that's really, it's, it's my son, Riley, who basically, pulled me in screaming and kicking as an establishment academic radiologist into this whole uh, understanding of how, how we've been lied to, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and how, the, how all of this mitochondrial injury is coming from these vaccines. And thank you again, Bernadette. If you recall in 2019, I wrote that open letter to Washington, to the legislature, and you published it up on, on the um, informed, informed choice, Washington. And, um, uh, that that if you go back and read that right now, it's prescient for what we've been through over the last three years. Yeah, I mean, we'll I republish that. Out, I called out that yeah. we have a Trojan horse system here in these vaccines that could mm -hmm. decimate the healthcare force mm -hmm. in 2019. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we. It, I need to do a new post and bring that paper back and let people read it again. Yeah, I remember looking through it now. If anybody's not familiar with Dr. Ted's writing, um, as entertaining as a speaker as you are, Ted, your writing, you are a, he's a poet, 
but he's so brilliant and he has so much information about so many aspects of life from philosophy and history and and all fields of silence so that reading it you have to break apart every sentence needs to be dissected and i remember uh, you sending that on and i'm like i mean you're just going to blow the minds of these legislators it's just like <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah yeah, so this is, you know, both of you, thank you so much for coming on today. This is, I think of your journey, um, Dr. Ted, from um, the early days in 2019 when I first met you, our, our friend, uh, Dr. James Lyons Weiler, yeah. um, all of everything we've been through and where we're going. And then we get people like Randy Lee who are joining and, and then he's got this perspective he's bringing and, and all of us working together, it really is showing me this amazing revolution that is happening. It is here. And it's almost like just pick your part of the revolution that inspires you the most and jump in and help. So that's, well, and that's where we get back to, I wanted to also teach and, and, and Javier and I discussed this last week behind the scenes at the, on the, sh the show last week, but I wanted to kind of teach my carpet bombing technique of, of state legislators into, into how you actually get a, a mask mandate ban accomplished. And uh, so North Dakota has, has some leadership roles in this pandemic that are coming out of my teaching actually of the entire state legislature um, on, on various issues and various broadcasts. I've been on KFYR 550 AM broadcasting every Tuesday, Dr. Tuesdays with or Tuesdays with Dr. Ted regarding all of all of the fraud going on with this pandemic. And there's a lot of people in North Dakota who keep asking and scratching their heads. It's like, how, how can this guy still be on the air? He's like basically calling, you know, people in, involved in, in medicine in North Dakota, part of a, a institutionalized manslaughter ring. And, and, you know, Tony Fauci should be, you know, uh, basically tried for treason. And I'm mm -hmm. voicing this across state lines, actually, between the Dakotas and Manitoba and, and Western Minnesota um, every Tuesday. But what I did do, and I, I sent you guys copies of, of one of these initial emails. When, when Deborah Burks came to Bismarck and started mass shaming us in, in the state capital of North Dakota, where, I, where I've been the chair of radiology for, you know, 15, 18 years, and I, I've read all the films of the U.S. senators and their families out of Bismarck, North Dakota for the last 18 years, and, and I just basically went on this warpath and, and, and used the laws of physics to show that these masks are not doing anything but creating Venturi jets when you're in the legislature even. This is where I got in the heads of the legislators and some of the top senators, even who are Democratic, pro-mask people, started to pay attention to what I was teaching them. And I, and I told them, and I showed them a video of where I took Pro-Immune from behind a face mask and I coughed in, in sunlight and I did a slow motion video and you can see the jet of, of the white powder going out from behind my surgical mask. And so there, it's probably not something that most people can accomplish, but I'm, I'm an interventional radiologist as well. And I've done procedures on TB patients. I've done biopsies. I've done abscess drainages. I've done all this stuff in interventional radiology. And, I, and I, so I have credibility in front of this whole group of the legislators. 
and all of my UND colleagues are trying to trying to say, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, mm -mm, I do know what I'm talking about. And why do you listen to me when I read your ICU films, but you can't seem to figure out that this physics is how this all works in your infectious disease world is creating fomites. You're creating a, a fomite, a, a, a device that you end up spit, having spittle on, you move your mask around, then you go touch something like a keyboard and you're just spreading the virus anyway. And, you know, so so the, so these legislators and it, it, the, we have the beauty in North Dakota of having one of the greatest agricultural uh, uh, industries and, and legislative bodies. And, and the, the ag commissioner actually who 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 basically gave me the last fifty thousand dollars of the CARES Act money to create the purple powder and to also write up the protocols for all pandemics for all time based on Randy, based on mitochondrial medicine, we can stop all of these pandemics by putting everyone into a hyperbaric mild air therapy system of a US jet. Okay, so aircraftHBOT.org, which is this wonderful website created by Janelle Cass, who's out there in Washington, and Javier knows her well, and, and she and I have been friends for a long time and she has done some incredible things on boots on the ground as a speakeasy hyperbaric um, um, shop operator. And and so with Janelle and all all these top all these top uh, military engineers, including Ed DiGirolamo, who you had on with me in May of 2020, who, who basically wrote up the, with with Janelle Pass, aircrafthbot.org. And Dr. Mickey Kime, the godfather of medicine from the Missouri River Valley and hyperbaric medicine based in Omaha and did his pulmonary fellowship in Iowa. The three of us discussed with you, Bernadette, in May of 20. This is how this is how important your your understanding of of finding the leading lights as as a journalist, basically, which you are. We we in, in, in May of 2020 on your show, on this program, on this radio station, we articulated how to stop all pandemics now and forever. That is, mm -hmm. that is literally the death knell to all of pharma yeah. when everyone's yeah. getting into at a nation state level, these hyperbaric jets, which this is the thing. Every yeah. jet in the country every 18 months or so is actually a mild hyperbaric chamber to check for leaks. Yeah. The, the, this is already going on in every jet in America. And it's just like, yep. instead of having ground crews in there, why don't we start putting patients in there? Yeah. And just so you know, Ted, uh, the, uh, the, the wisdom, uh, because of the uh, wise decision-making of the Washington Board of Health, Janelle Cass is now being, uh, they, they sent a cease and desist letter. Yeah, because she's practicing medicine without a license. No, she isn't. That's not medical grade hyperbarics. There you go. Boom. There you go. And and the other thing is, look at this. Look at this, Javier. You know all these regulatory issues. UHMS won't touch anything but below two psi. Paul Harch and I. What did what did we use to recover dementia and publish in the medical literature? Two psi, hundred percent oxygen. I confirmed it on air in my second patient in North Dakota. I used two psi air to reverse dementia, and that and that that woman and her husband were on Beck TV, a, a cable. It's basically a cable uh, TV. Network in that's what we in did North with Gene Benda too. It was it was oh, it's uh, cheap. I want to see it over here. So and and so, but when you, what what is two psi in travel? That's traveling from Denver 
at, at the Mile High City down to Omaha. That's traveling from Cheyenne to Scotts Bluff. That's yep. that's literally when when you're when you're in the Andes and you live at nine thousand feet, and you go to you go fishing on the on the western slope of 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 the Andes mountain range, and you're adding you're adding four psi of air to your to your body. You're literally traveling through the altitudes space to improve the supercharging system of all of your mitochondria. And this is where all these farmers and ranchers in North Dakota and South Dakota and Western Nebraska, they all get it faster than all the doctors. It's just a supercharger for your entire mitochondrial cellular apparatus. So yeah, one one of the things I want the viewers and listeners to really understand are all of the things that, that all of our guests today have been talking about is providing those nutrients, exposure, the, the gases that nature made your body to need, putting them in the body in dense enough quantities um, at different times to recharge your own ability to heal and thrive, basically. So we're talking about the most important fundamental building blocks of life and health. And go ahead. The Israelis and Shia Fradi on November 6th of 2020, which happened to be my first 50th birthday, they published in the Journal of Aging that they could they could they proved genetically that they could take white white blood cells from elderly patients in Israel in the middle of a pandemic. They're taking the immune system cells out of the blood supply. They're 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 running a telomere length study on those cells. Then they're putting them into a protocol which is kind of parallel to Paul Hart's par protocols over here. And, and then they're doing 41 hour treatments, basically, you know, it might've been 90 minutes and it might've been whatever, but basically Paul Hart is the guy who actually proved this academically to the, to the, to the world scholars long before Shia Friday ever did. And, 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 and so then, so then they, they took the white cells out of these elderly patients in the middle of a pandemic and they showed that their telomere lengths had lengthened. So that's a molecular clock system, and they proved that you can in, you could increase the longevity, the length of the telomeres. They, they are molecularly proving the reversal of aging. And when when Paul and I went through this thing, he's like, "Yeah, but Ted, we already proved the reversal of aging. Your PET scans proved by physics the reversal of aging of an aging brain in in our dementia case report." And I was like, "Oh yeah, thanks, Paul. We we were first. Yeah, this is so exciting. I hate that we're just about out of time. We got maybe two minutes left and I want everybody to know how to find you guys. So I'm going to repeat again that you, Randy Lee, if you want to review his wonderful book, Brain, um, email info at themitoman.com. That's info at themitoman.com. And, um, and then you can get more information from him. And then so, and Dr. Fogarty and Dr. Meyer, where do people know, need to go? Oh, yay. Thank you for holding that up, Randy. And then um, Purple Powder. Yes. Yeah, so what's the website they should go to? Thepurplepowder.com. And um, we, we, we stole your graphic. I, I hope that's okay. That was, that's on the Washington side. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I made that so, on so Kate. Yeah. formula. <laughs> okay, cool. 
<laughs> that is fantastic. This is this is so exciting. I feel so uplifted to have you. And you guys are like a dream team here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring all Randy, bring you back, and and Dr. Meyer and, and um, Dr. Fogarty. This is the future. What the things that you discussed. This is the future of health and life, um, and happiness and freedom on Earth. So let's keep at it. Let's keep educating. Um, maybe we'll do like a webinar where we can really get yeah. into the information with a lot of Q&A. The laws yeah. of physics are unimpeachable. And that, and that is, I literally testified in North Dakota on, you know, they, they, they ask you who you're representing. Are you representing yourself as a citizen? I put down in this face mask ban bill that we got through after, after it was vetoed even, I taught the entire Senate all of these things and, and we got through the veto and North Dakota is the only state in the union where there's no city, no county. The state itself cannot have any mandates on masks. They cannot force anyone to wear a mask in the whole state of North Dakota, which yeah. that should be championed in this yeah. entire crowd. And, yeah. and, and furthermore, I testified in service to the laws of physics. I was I was a lobbyist for the laws of physics. Are you you want to, uh, this next legislative session, are you prepared to go lobby some more around the country? Absolutely. I will All go right. anywhere All right. and lobby for physics in service to mankind and humanity. Fantastic. Just stand by your phone. I'll probably be calling. So, well, <laughs> gentlemen, it has been such a pleasure all today, Dr. Um, oh, I'm not going to say your names again because I'm running out of time and my memory's going. I need some... Uh, Purple powder, powder. Powder. Purple powder. I've, got, I've got it on my counter right here. I and swear you, can I do. Link, you can link into the Aranox Performance Clinic off the purplepowder.com. You are the biophysics. We're getting people from all over the place. We would love to have you from Tennessee. And okay. You can smuggle up some over-the-counter ivermectin for us. Okay, he's going to cut us off. Hi, I'm Brad Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PGI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PJI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit pji.org. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. 
from COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, the high wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.